Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, our Facebook page, and uh, Lakes, Woods, and Irons at Podcast MN, the new landing spot for Minnesota podcasts. And that uh, thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2020 Buicks. Chris, another week into the books, and uh, a course you're quite familiar with is where the PGA was this last week, and the boys tore the place apart with perfect weather conditions. Well, it was no wind, very soft golf course, and a, a setup that was conducive to scoring, and boy, they shot some low scores. Man, I, I think about a half dozen guys broke the course record, and uh, Faldo was saying, and well, it's a lot of times in, in the spring time tournament it's 45 degrees there with with wind in the mornings in the first part of the day and uh, uh, this weather was just perfect like south carolina can be in this time of year just and then they happened to be benign as well which <laughs> yeah if you weren't shooting 65 you were losing ground well gosh justin thomas goes out early and shoots 63 on sunday and you think he has a chance but uh, you know, he ends up being three or four shots off the lead at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, didn't get, <laughs> didn't really get close. Yeah, no. And uh, Webb Simpson wins the tournament, and uh, I think one of the popular guys on tour just seems like a seems like a good guy. Webb's always kind of level-headed, and uh, yeah, and, uh, nice to see him win again. He's won twice this year, so he's and when he gets hot, he's uh, he's a streaky golfer. He can score, so all the uh, majors bunched together might be good for him later in the year. You know, when when he putts well, Mac, he's about unbeatable. Yeah. Um, when his putter is on, he, he's one of the top three players in the world. Yeah, and he's certainly figured that out a lot better than he had it four or five years ago. Yeah. He, he, he just he hits it so well. He's not he's an, you know he's an upper third in distance, but his irons iron play is so good. Yeah. Yeah. He's at the top of his game right now, and it's really funny how that putting can come and go. We've talked about uh, a lot of guys that that happens to certainly, and uh, he was at, you know, like you say, four or five years ago, he was one of the best in the game, and then his putting just kind of went away for a while, and now it's yeah, back at least for right now. He, he definitely struggled with the yips, and he's got that figured out. Yeah, yeah. It when the when they went to the rain delay. I counted, I think there were 23 players within two shots of the lead. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So that was fun. Lots of birdies being made. People like to watch that, I think. They did have uh, Nick Watney uh, got diagnosed after a round of golf with COVID, and uh, he withdrew, of course. And uh, Cam Champ got uh, diagnosed uh, this week, I think Monday, so he won't play this week on tour. And then uh, just today, Brooks Kepka. this is uh, the day we're uh, recording, Brooks Kepka announced he would not play in the Travelers because his caddy, Ricky Elliott, had become the latest to test positive for coronavirus on tour. They had uh, stayed together in the same house, and uh, uh, the players all tested negative that were in the house, but uh, uh, his caddy came back positive. So he just says it's the right thing to do. We'll protect everybody else on tour, and we'll will stay out until uh, Ricky's back. So uh, Kepka probably making the wise decision there at number four in the world. He's not in, in danger of losing his card or anything ridiculous like that. So he's uh, he's not going to play for a couple weeks most likely. No, he's he's got some moving up to do in the FedEx Cup really. 
but uh, definitely the right thing to do. And um, it, it's a shame because his brother Munnick qualified for the event and is in the field. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is neat. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I was looking at one of the betting sites today, and the, you can put a prop. You could put a prop bet on that his brother Chase would beat him. <laughs> but, uh, of course. Bet on, bet now he is going to on be. anything. <laughs> All right, our guest today will be uh, Peter Sanders from Shot by Shot. You had an interview with uh, Peter. That'll be good, Chris. And also we'll talk with uh, Mark Johnson with the Breezy Point Golf Courses. We'll talk about the uh, nice variety of golf that they've got to offer. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Want to welcome back to the show a frequent uh, guest and friend of the show, Peter Sanders, the founder and uh, president of Shot by Shot. Peter, great to have you on the show. Oh, Chris, thanks. You know, I love doing it. You, uh, you know, interesting times we're in. You've you've been putting out some great content on your uh, on your Instagram uh, page and Facebook page on different stats, and I it's uh, I've enjoyed seeing all that stuff, Peter. Well, thank you. Yeah, my uh, my daughter, who is you know sequestered here, working from home, has become my uh, producer, director, and technical expert. <laughs> and we've had we've had so much fun doing it. Uh, and, and I've gotten a, a lot of really good feedback. I appreciate it. Yeah, they, oh, they've been great. I uh, I always learn something, so I pick up some good nuggets of information. Peter, Peter, I wanted to ha- I wanted to have you on the show. It's a question I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, and um, you know, I, I so many people want to get better in golf, uh, but most people don't take the time to do it correctly, and um, it, 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 I always equate it kind of to, to losing weight. Every everybody wants to lose weight, but so few people are successful unless you do something like Weight Watchers, where they they make a, they create a plan for you, and they keep you accountable. And right. one one of the things that I, I always one of the great things about shot by shot and using with my students is it's a way to keep them accountable and it's a way to help me create a plan for them. And um, you know, so I wanted to ask you: so if, if a let's say a fifteen to eighteen handicapper came to you and said said and you didn't know anything about their game. And they came to you and said, hey, Peter, I, I want to become a scratch player within the next year, 18 months. How would you start and what, what, would, you, what would you recommend for them? Well, first of all, that is the average golfer in the United States. And it means they have a game. And, and that's a good start. Uh, you know, somebody who's a 30 handicap, you, you have a whole different answer to that. But um, 15 to... 15 to 18 is, is, is a, you know, is, has a golf game. Yeah. And so they, if within that game, they have to have, and they all do, strengths, things that they do really well, and weaknesses, things that they, that they don't do as well that are, that are driving their scores up. The problem is finding out what those are in the emotional roller coaster that is golf, you know, when you're out there. I know even touring professionals cannot come, they come away from around thinking, oh my God, I, 
I putted terribly today when that wasn't really it is that they just didn't hit it close enough and they were constantly having to scramble to uh, to get it up and down so um and in order to to figure out the the uh and, th- and this is what motivated me i told you you know a little bit about my story this is what motivated me to create shot by shot because i i started keeping the traditional stats when i joined a this fabulous golf club and 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 looking at them very seriously and they were terrible they were one-dimensional yes-no answers to multi-dimensional questions uh, a b there was no standard of comparison except the tour and and that was a depressing standard of comparison when i was hitting three greens in regulation around right and the tour the tour is averaging 11 or 12. why is it who knows you know what is it uh, so I set out to create something that would easily let people keep track of their data, of meaningful data, and create a standard uh, at every level of the game that, uh, to which they could be compared that would then point out exactly what strengths and weaknesses were. And so that's, that's what I've been doing for the last 30 plus years, and, uh, and, and it works. Right. So, guy comes. So, where 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 do you begin that process? So, I, I come to you. I'm I'm a 15 handicap, and I say, Peter, I, I I'm really motivated to play. I've got time to practice. I've got money to take lessons, and I'm devoted to my game. So, where where do we start? I would ask him. I would say, okay, what are you good at? What what is what are the best parts of your game? And I'd write that. I'd keep track of that and. What do you think you need to improve the most? And and write that down. Then I'd say, okay, now, will you? Uh, I want you to start using shot by shot. And I'd go through it with them quickly. You know, here's how it works. Here's the app. Um, I want you to keep keep your rounds, and then we'll see if your vision of your own game matches what comes out of the out of the system, and we'll create a a plan to address your major uh, your major weaknesses and also let you play to your strengths with confidence while you're out there out there playing and you know I've written a lot of as you you know the 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 thing about the the um, uh, seesaw in golf and how you know low handicappers hit uh, lots and lots of, of uh, good shots, good outcomes, and very few errors. And then the seesaw swings, uh, the higher handicaps, where their errors, their, their bad shots that are causing them strokes, far exceed their good outcomes. And so you have to then say, okay, well, where are those errors coming from? And start to weed them out. And shot by shot, I'll do that, uh, unless somebody wants to wants to take that article and just keep track of their errors and, and good shots, they could do that too. And, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, getting better at golf isn't necessarily hitting more great shots. It's, it's hitting better bad shots. Yeah. And how, how do you, what do you classify as an error, Peter? Well, there's, uh, in, in driving, you hit you hit the ball out of play. There's three there's three errors in driving. The least expensive is the the no shot result where you've hit it into the trees, 
under a bush and it requires some sort of an advancement. You know, that that kind of error costs the PGA Tour player on average 75% of a, of a stroke. And people are always amazed when I say, but it costs the, the average golfer much, much less. And they go, well, how could it? They're not, they're not as good at recovering. I go, but they're, we're going to make fewer pars anyway. <laughs> and uh, but So there's the, the no shot. Then there's the penalty. You hit it into a hazard, and it requires a drop. And finally, the, the uh, lost ball and out of bounds. And so those, those errors um, really earmark uh, a, a player's scoring level. Um, and, uh, you know, the higher handicap make a lot of them, and, and the low handicaps may maybe make one every two or three rounds. Then the, in the approach game, theirs are simple. You've either you've hit it into a penalty. You know, missing a green is not an error uh, because we all do it, even the tour does it, but you hit it into a penalty, or you hit it so poorly that you have another full approach shot greater than greater than fifty yards. So that that's um, that's and that that's the approach shot. In the short game, it's missing the green and requiring four or more shots to hole out. That that's an error. Mm-hmm. And three putts inside thirty feet are generally an error uh the higher handicappers not so much you know you you probably remember my uh instagram about uh putting the two skills there's there's direction where players need to improve their 50 percent make distances you know the tour uh, makes 50 percent of their putts at eight feet the average golfer makes 50 percent of their putts at four feet so the extent that you can practice those and improve you're going to improve your putting and then there's the, the distance control skill where you'll try to improve your 2.0 uh, <clears throat> uh, range uh, the range at which you average two putts and outside that range your your three putts will exceed your one putts and for the tour it's 35 feet for the average golfer it's 16 feet so the, the, those kinds of things can people if they can if they identify wow putting i'm not i'm uh, i'm not a good putter what is it is it your 50 percent make range or is it your um, you know your three putts and, and your distance control and i work on it in shot by shot how, how do how do you analyze that or how how does that come to the top that tells you okay my either my distance control is off or my my uh, you know my short putting is bad well the um, you know people record the distance of their first putt on every green and the number of putts to hold out and then the strokes gain system um, compares their performance and on each of those that they either are saving or losing strokes to our scratch model and um and then and then we we um, display percentage one putts by range and percentage three putts by range and it becomes pretty clear if if your strokes gain number is not what it should be it's going to be one or a combination of both of those skills you bet and you know peter i I think um you know expectation management is such a big part of playing good golf. 
and you know talking about errors i we're doesn't matter what level you're at we're going to have errors and hit bad shots during a round of golf and you know it, it, let's say a player their goal is to to get to into single digit handicap or low handicap how many how many errors are they allowed how many how many greens in regulation can they expect to hit um you know what what should their short game expectations be yeah um <clears throat> driving errors um less than one around so you know maybe two every three rounds uh and hopefully the less expensive driving error where they're just uh requiring an advancement mm-hmm. um you know no penalties uh in the approach game you know the if there's water that you're trying to carry use your head aim you know aim toward the fat side of the green make sure you cover the your shot covers the water those kinds of things and then um, what i started doing in the in the short game is um you know weed those errors out uh do the you know green light yellow light red light don't try and and hit the ball like the tour players doing those fantastic flop shots and all that take your medicine if you've made that mistake and get the ball on the green and two putt and go on to the next hole without adding uh insult to injury right and then and then putting um, you got to work on your distance control. Make sure that you're you're not three putting. You can three putt once. A you know everybody. Gosh, I do. You know you're faced with a sixty footer, um, and three putt that is is not a crime. But um, you know work on your short putting. Make sure you're making the, the good share of your four and five foot putts, and uh, and work on your distance control. I find that very important when you go to play in an event somewhere that you might not have played in a while or or ever is to get on that practice green before and roll balls 30 feet back and forth between two sets of tees and really get a feel for for what the greens are going to be like when you get out there. So on the first green, you don't, you're not surprised by, oh, wow, look what that ball did. I putted it off the green. <laughs> Yeah, you know that that was that was something you told me years ago is is to put two tees down at thirty feet and and uh, go back and forth on you know before you you go play and that's something that all, all the juniors that I work with that they do before the rounds of golf, especially tournament rounds, is is practice thirty footers and get a you know calibrate yourself for thirty feet. So yeah, yeah, no, it's good because it's right in the middle of where most of your uh, first putts when you've hit greens are going to come. So, Peter, uh, you know, when I, when I, it seems like for the average player that we're talking about, when I look at at their shot-by-shot statistics, in their approach play, a high percentage, you know, 70, 80% of their approach shots seem to be within the 125 to 175 yard range. And, and how, if somebody comes out to practice, what would you, and it seems like everybody, that's the area that they need to, need to get better at. What is a good practice routine for 
working on the, those distances? Anything that you suggest there? Yeah, and those distances are uh, key. You nailed it. Um, you know, in the in the closer, uh, <clears throat> I tell a funny story. Years when I first started this business, I was I forget where I was, but anyway, it, the instructor that I went to visit was working with Andy Bean. Anybody remember who Andy Bean is? <laughs> <laughs> he 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 was a top tour player at the time, and so I was fortunate enough to stand there and listen to him talk, and then he, he realized that I was listening, and he started talking to me, and he was working on his iron game, and he said, when I get above a five iron, I try not to make a mistake, and I thought, what? You're a tour player. He said, when I, he said, I'll I'll try to hit flags with a five iron, you know, if everything's right and, and all the irons on down from that. But four iron, three iron, in those days they carried two irons. He said, I'm just trying to get it on or around the green in a place where I can get down in two from and not hit it in a bad bunker or you know, over the green or something like that. And I, I was amazed by that, but it influenced me because I got to improve my game by doing just that. But it was more like, for me, it was outside a seven iron. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's a good way to do it. But I, when I practiced a lot and I would, I would work on those, those distances and don't sit and hit shot after shot, you pick different targets, you pick different distances and you go through your whole routine, like the drill. And then, and then have some sort of a count. I would say, okay, I hit it. If I hit three in a row, that's a birdie. If I, you know, if I miss two in a row, that's a bogey. Um, and uh, and I score myself. And I, I found that it really helped when I got on the golf course and was under pressure. I just do what I did when I practiced. Yeah, it it really comes down to I I, I always joke with people, but you know, the, is that. Um, you know, are you practicing or you're exercising? Mm-hmm. And m- most people come to the the range and they exercise. You know, they've got a bucket of 50, 60 balls and, and they hit, uh, you know, 30, 37 irons and 25 drivers and that was their practice session. <coughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I see people hitting the same club over and over again and guess what? They get better at it. <laughs> but... You're not you're not building your your ability to line up a a target and set up and hit it because uh, your your setup is is static now. It's right. always the same. Yeah, mo- mo- most most practice sessions we develop a false sense of accomplishment because as we as we hit more and more balls, we we start timing it better and better, and regardless of how we're swinging, our our timing is good. And, um, you know, we hit good shot after good shot, but that isn't golf. And, and golf is a one-shot environment. And uh, the range, we've got all these golf balls, no, no target, no consequence. The golf, sh- the golf course, we don't have that. It's a one-shot environment, and we've got to hit a different club and a different distance and from varied lies. And uh, so we have to practice more like we play, as you're, as yeah. you're saying. 
Yeah, and on the course, you don't get to drop another ball and say, oh, shoot, I, that was terrible. I'll hit this. <laughs> not in the group I play in. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not in our groups. <laughs> well, Peter, that, that's, that's great stuff, and hopefully we inspire some people to... Uh, to get a plan and uh, and work that plan to, to improve their golf games. And if they're lucky enough to work with a, a great instructor like you that can really give them a plan, the right thing at the right time, and build as opposed to trying to work on everything. Yeah, exactly. you got to break it into chunks and try to get better at the things you, you're deficient at. Yep. Well, Peter, I, I always appreciate you coming on the show, and we always learn uh, learn some great stuff from you. Well, thanks. Where, thanks, Chris. I, I really enjoy doing it. T- tell, tell our listeners where, where they find more, more out about you and, and uh, Shot by Shot and your Instagram. And... Uh, shotbyshot.com, and uh, it's there's a free trial that uh, people seem to – are drawn to 74% of the people who registered for our free trial purchased the subscription. Wow. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, I just need more people, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, and, and it's got a lot of, uh, the website has a lot of, uh, you know, it's access to my blog, access to articles that I've written. And, um, and of course the, uh, the game, analysis and the, the strokes gain analysis and the comparative data that will point out a player's tr- true strengths and real weaknesses. Well, great stuff, Peter. I appreciate you coming on the show and we'll uh, look forward to having you on as the PGA Tour uh, gets back in a swing. Yeah, good. Okay, thanks, Chris. Thank you, Peter. That was Peter Sanders, founder of Shot by Shot. Thanks again to Peter Sanders, shotbyshot.com. This portion of our show brought your way by Holiday Stores in Cross Lake and Mill Avenue. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Uh, also available at uh, Facebook, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and also a podcast MN, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. There, a new landing spot for Minnesota podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2020 Buicks. Chris, special guest with us today, longtime friend and a longtime friend of the show. Yeah, I want to welcome Mark Johnson, director of golf at Breezy Point Resort. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Good to have you, Mark. Uh, golf season underway. I know we, we caught you in the middle of your work day today. We appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's every day is in the middle of the work day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. If the sun's up. <laughs> yep. Exactly right. That is very true. A lot, lot happening in golf right now. How uh, How's everything going at Breezy Point? Uh, actually, the, the golf has been pretty strong. Um you know, our, we, we rely a lot on package business, which uh, that's definitely more on the downside, especially with the Canadian border closed. But uh, a lot of we're seeing a lot of local people playing golf, and, and uh, which is great. The timeshare portion of the resort at Breezy is, uh, has been really, really outstanding. So um, lots of people we haven't seen for a few years, and they, they'd love to see the – We've made a lot of nice little changes to the golf course, and 
everything's going the right direction. Yeah, it's fun to see so many families out playing golf. Oh, um, I, I was just down spraying the, the old traditional course uh, this morning, late morning, and, and I can't tell you how many families are out playing. And it's just great to see all the little kids, um, you know, for sure. And it, we're just we're seeing a lot more than we've seen in the past, I can tell you that much. Yes. We're probably going to see some, those... some lifetime golfers coming out of this. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Mark, for those not familiar with Breezy Point, tell, tell us about your golf offerings. Well, um, Breezy Point uh, Resort is going to be celebrating its 100th anniversary next year. And uh, we have uh, three 18-hole golf courses at the resort that are very distinctly different. So we kind of have something for golfers of every every ability we can we can fit the bill we've got uh, the traditional course which was established in 1922 we've got the uh, weight perch course which was uh, our ch- our championship course par 72 really good layout very friendly um, and then we've got Deacon's Lodge which we acquired about seven or eight years ago already and uh it's uh, an Arnold Palmer design that's uh, it's spectacular. I mean, it's uh, it's a very special golf course. It is a very special golf course, and I hear in tremendous shape. It is outstanding shape, and, uh, and White Perch is in really good shape. Um, traditional, it's dry. Remember, some of the watering system stems from 1922, so it's tough to keep it green in this drought condition, but... Uh, but the overall conditions are pretty good. Um, it, it's uh, it's fun just to see people all playing. You've talked about the classic course before, Mark. How it's uh, you don't want to walk in there thinking it's a, it's a real easy game of golf. It's a good challenge. Oh, yeah, the back nine is awfully tight. I mean, you 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 have to control your golf ball in that golf course, so you're gonna you're gonna shoot a pretty big number. Mark, with all the local play, what uh, you have anything going on for the locals? You know, basically, we've got twilight rates that start at 2 o'clock every day. And uh, we we did open up our membership a little bit this year. So we have uh, we have membership packages that uh, for white birch and traditional. And, uh, um, and there's a very – lots of different various packages, per se, for a membership. But uh, uh, the twilight seems to be the popular – the real popular one because uh, a lot of the locals are they're working people that are are coming out uh, after work. Boy, right now twilight is especially this time of year when it's it's late. So I mean, light so late into the day that uh, twilight's a really nice bargain. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And Mark, how about your 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 famous Charlie scramble? The, the famous Charlie scramble right now we're kind of on hold. Because of not doing any shotgun starts and with the, so many of the strict guidelines with the restaurants, we've kind of decided to put it on the table for right now. And uh, we're going to reevaluate in August, but uh, I, I just don't know if this year if that's going to be the right type of formatting and gathering to really have. Sure. I've seen a lot of that with men's leagues and uh, where you just can't have that uh... – that big gathering in one spot to kind of kick off the day is uh, yeah, great yep. difficulty. And, yep. and it's it's uh, in that particular format we had, there was a lot of congregating being done. And, and that's just, uh, 
you know, a lot of people voiced that, oh, yeah, I, I would play, but there's a lot of others that told me they're really glad that we're not doing it. So, okay, sure. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, yes, I'd love to do it, but then I know for the, for a lot of people, they're appreciative that we're not doing it. So, you mentioned some changes at the courses, Mark. What have you, what have you done that maybe people haven't been out there in a couple of years would notice? Uh, well, uh, the White Birch Village Project, which is our project uh, along Hole uh, 10 on White Birch, and then it uh, went to Hole 11, which uh, has been going pretty, pretty not well. The first phase, actually, all along Hole Number 10 is sold out. So they're starting on Hole 11, and uh, it's been going pretty good. So it, they forced us to look at the golf course and... Uh, uh, between Dave Gravdahl and myself, and then we brought in Scott Hoffman uh, for some expertise, too. We kind of redesigned our 11th hole, and uh, I, I think we did a great job. It's uh, It used to be just a straight, long par 4. Now it's a it's still a long par 4, but uh, we kind of put a little dogleg with uh, a huge, huge bunker on the right-hand side and then a bunker on the left-hand side to kind of give people a little... Uh, give you the perception that okay, you want to hit in between here, and, and we're trying to protect the townhomes. Bunker out there to catch so. my slice, huh, Mark? Is that what you're? Oh, doing? that it'll catch it. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, I can tell you, I've been in it plenty of times this year already, and I think <laughs> you know, and it's oh, geez, um, it's a it's a long. Sh- you know, if you get in that bunker, you're still 200 yards out. Sure. Tough shot. Yeah, that's so, a lot of golf from there. You bet. So, but. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, kind of the main change. And then uh, last fall we started re- reworking several tee boxes, and uh, so we got about seven tee boxes that we reworked between the fall and spring, and um, just you know redoing them to get the level surface, make them bigger. We're finding more people are playing the forward tees, and our forward tees were never big enough, so we're en- enlarging a lot of those. So sure, yeah, uh, yeah. We just finished uh, paving a bunch of cart paths, too, so White Birch is pretty much continuous path except for 18 and 4 now. So Yeah. Uh, Mark, you have a couple of great restaurants at the resort. Tell us about those. Well, um, Antlers, uh, which is right at the White Birch course, kind of, kind of known in the lakes area for fine dining, and, uh, and they are open, uh, reservations required, um, and they do have some patio dining also. Um, but, uh, yeah, they've just got great steaks, great ribs. Uh, they've got a great seafood platter that, uh, when I see people eating that, I'm thinking, oh, geez, what the hell? But, what? yeah, lunchtime. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it, it just, every time I see it, I'm, oh my God. I, um, and then we've got, uh, Palmer's Grill over at Deacon's and, uh, there again, that's, uh, very casual dining, but, uh. They've got the, they've got the Kobe Burger, which is uh, it's awfully dang good. So, um, and they got some good steaks and walleye, that type of thing. Um, and then we've got Dockside um, down at the resort, and, and we are going to start uh, some entertainment with at Dockside starting well during the Fourth of July. Um, our house band is Passion; they're going to be starting here shortly. Elvis is going to be playing again, so it's going to be different. We have to limit it to 
you know, the deck can only be 250. And it's not going to be not going to be what it was, but at least it's something. Coming back slowly but surely, yeah, I think right, so. Right. I hope so. Yeah, a, Co- a Kobe Burger at the one of America's hundred greatest public golf courses, uh, the Palmer, is uh, or Deacon's Lodge, I should say. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> it's it, it's really good. I had one the other day. It was it was great. <laughs> sounds like a pretty good combo to me. <laughs> Mark, it's Beth- a great combo. Best way for people to get a hold of you for tea times at any of the golf courses or uh, maybe uh, reservations at the restaurants? Um, well, we, our 800 number is 800-432-3777, and that can connect you anywhere. Um, but, you know, otherwise, uh, just go to breezypointresort.com and yeah. you can get all, all the information right there. Mark, thanks a million for taking the time. I hope we can maybe uh, get out and play a little later in the year if you ever. Yeah, I, I would. I would love to do that. If you ever don't have a full day. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get a little caught up. I started at 5 a.m. spraying this morning, so. Yeah, you. But your day's not near done. I know that about you. <laughs> Mark, thanks for taking the time. Thank you guys for having me. You guys have a great day. Director Thank of, you, Mark. Director of Golf out of Breezy Point, Mark Johnson, joining us today. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. Uh, this segment brought your way by Craigan's Golf Courses, Bobby's and Dutch's, and the Legacy Restaurants as well. A uh, wonderful place to play, obviously, and a wonderful place to work, right, Chris? <laughs> it is a wonderful place to work. I got an awfully nice office and <laughs> yes, good people do. to work with. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau has really been a story uh, on tour this year, maybe more so than uh, uh, the guys who've won. Uh, uh, Webb Simpson uh, just got the win this week and uh, and Daniel Berger the week before, but lots of guys talking about Bryson who were out there with him on tour. He added uh, 25 pounds of muscle. And his ball speed is close to 200 miles per hour, Chris, which, uh, uh, I don't know, do the long drive guys even hit it that fast? I'm not sure. They do. And in order to compete in long drive, you have to be kind of over that 200 200 mile an hour mark. Okay, yeah. Uh, To put it in perspective, club head speed-wise, to reach 200, you need about 128 to... 132 mile an hour club head speed. Okay. The average on tour is 114. Oh boy, yeah. And so, you know, the longer guys are around 120. So we're Bryson at. It's he's kind of a freak show. Yeah, yeah, kind of is. And he's try- and he's trying to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, a guy like Cameron Chan, he's right up there as well. Yeah, yeah. So there are a few guys, but those long drive guys are 130, 135 plus. Wow. Cameron Champ, he's going to be out this week. He uh, tested positive for the coronavirus, so he's going to take a week or two off. Yeah, DeChambeau, uh, let's see, uh, uh, just a couple of comments by some players around the league. It's interesting to around the uh, tour, I should say. John Rahm was complimentary, really. He said, let me start off by saying this is no fluke. He's put in an incredible amount of work for months now. Even though he hasn't won yet, he's been up there, and we'll see. More than anything, I think he deserves more credit than criticism just because of the really hard work he's put in, where he is, and how precise he's been with his length, which is really the key uh, to adding uh, 
the uh, speed to your swing. Even, I mean, the, the 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 long drive guys, they're not in the grid that often. I mean, they try to get one in there, you know, one out of one out of eight or something, and and try to get the longest drive. So it's typic kind of typically how it works. Paul Casey weighed in. He said it's uh, so difficult to increase club head speed that much. It's like going faster in a car. Uh, to make the car go 180 miles per hour, it needs uh, this much horsepower. To make it go 200 miles per hour, you almost need to double that horsepower. So Bryson's doubling his horsepower almost in an attempt to hit the longer shots but also keep it in play. But he's such a mad scientist, Chris. He's quite uh, he's quite an uh, interesting guy, and uh, he get, he gets bored, and he basically says that. I get bored easily, and I don't want to get bored, so I'm trying this. And that's uh, Pat, Patrick Cantlay said. I'm curious to see uh, see if it inspires other guys to do something similar. Um, Rom was wondering about injuries down the road and carrying that much weight over an extended period of time. But, uh, yeah, um, just one more with uh, Bryson. He said, uh, I have not been number one in the world. I've not won a major. I hope to achieve those goals soon. Why I went on this journey of hitting it so far because it was getting boring for me for a little while. And I said, <laughs> I need to make it interesting. I need to spice things up for myself. I was able to do that in the off season. And then during the quarantine, when I stop learning is the day I'll burn out. Burnout for me is when I don't have anything else to learn in the game. So yeah, he just, I don't think he's ever going to stop tinkering uh, with whatever, if he ever has to go back down in weight or uh, he, it, he's just uh well, I think his IQ is probably off the charts for one thing. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he's a he's a very bright guy. It, it's interesting how he, he's approached things. Uh, I my question is is what he's doing if it's sustainable. Right, exactly. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And you know, so many players have gone down the the road of gaining distance and it and it's ended up hurting their game more than than it's helped yeah yeah we've seen it a lot every year recently and really recently too and i i think the nature of golf and in the elite player they're they're always pursuing a higher level and it's how you approach that pursuit yeah yeah and whether distance is the answer for bryson or not i'm not sure i if I were advising him, I might have told him to work on his putting a lot more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, does he look uh, stiff over a putt now. It's really, now that he's even bigger than he was. I mean, he'd really gone to just a, a single swing kind of movement on his putts. Um, but now with uh, <laughs> the gigantic muscles, it looks kind of it looks kind of funny when he does it. Just because nobody else has looked that way and nobody else has tried this. Another thing he's famous for is his irons all the same length, and you haven't seen other players go do that yet either, Chris. <laughs> no, and I don't. I don't think we'll see see too much of that. Yeah. In the future. Our it's, guess. Uh, it's very difficult to to pitch and chip the ball with a wedge that's the length of a seven iron. I would think so. Yeah, especially on the yeah, on the shorter clubs. I always kind of wondered why uh, why a five iron couldn't be the length of a seven iron or those kind of things, but. Um, that's only because that's where my that's where my irons start to get away from me at, at five. <laughs> I, I will I will give Bryce and credit though his putting is actually better right now 
than it's than it's been over the past you know 18 months even though he's won five events yeah yeah uh, he's had a lot of highs and lows which is the nature of golf uh, but his putting has definitely been his weakness but he is he's putting very well at the moment yeah well he's been I think uh, top 10 and five tournaments already this year or maybe top five so he's he's right around the leaderboard all the time right now our guest uh, Peter Sanders shot by shot uh, really one of the originators of that kind of thinking, Chris. So a lot of guys have come along after, like everything. If there's a invention, there's always, uh, I think I can do better than that. So shot by shot, Peter put together. And we've seen a lot of uh, similar type thinking and uh, product lines and books after that. But uh, really one of the one of the originators. Yeah, Peter was really one of the innovators in golf analytics. And... He- his program is fantastic. And if I think, you know, we talked about a little bit in the interview, but, but if you truly want to get better, you need to look at where your strengths and weaknesses were, are, and then tackle your weaknesses. And if you have an understanding of what they are, and then you have the understanding how to improve those and the discipline, you're going to get better. Might still be a, Maybe not as strong as the strongest part of your game, but uh, like you always say, hitting a hitting a better bad shot is uh, is key to a lot of lower scores. Yeah, no question. If you can take your miss hits from you know wide to narrower, and then get better at at things, you know, in, eliminate three putts and get the green get the ball on the green all the time when you're inside of. 20 to 30 yards yeah and then minimize your penalty strokes you're gonna get better yeah you hear it on the on the uh, course all the time and also on the practice tee uh, i've heard it from you you know good miss when you're watching the watching the shots on uh, on the screen and uh, and coaching you know a good miss is is, is a is a very uh, common comment so I, I was found out i was kind of hip chris i was uh, Aaron came home from uh, for the week, she, her birthday week, my daughter, and and r- right away she says, "You got a Theragun, Dad?" Which is, <laughs> I think, yeah, well, you know, Chris and I were pretty innovative. Absolutely, <laughs> Chris. We want to talk a little bit about kids. As a lot of we talk, we've talked with Mark Johnson, our guest, about uh, families out there and and kids getting into the game, which is quite common this summer, and some starting tips for those kids. Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of questions, parents coming to me and, and saying, you know, our, our kids are just getting in the game, and, and how do how do we get them started, and uh, what should we do? And, you know, I think, n- number one, they don't need a lot of golf clubs, but they do need some clubs that fit, fit them reasonably well. And it's kind of like buying tennis shoes. You don't want to buy shoes that are too big because you have a hard time walking and running. Uh, and you don't want them too small either, because then your feet hurt. But you need clubs that they that are appropriate weight and length for them. And then secondly, they really just get at them holding the golf club with their hands together in a good balanced setup position. And then basically just, just let them swing. Kids, kids are great intimidators. So they, they 
they can watch others and pick things up pretty quickly. Yeah. But make sure they're finishing in balance towards the target, not falling away. And if you, if you let them, they'll figure it out on their own to a large extent. Yeah. Yeah. You find that, uh, find that sweet spot on a club or two that they can hit fairly decent. And, uh, you know, my, my daughter hasn't played much and she's asking me last night, what should I hit? And I kept telling her, hit that one again. That's the best club in your bag. Even if it's not going to go, you know, 180 yards, if it goes 130 and you hit it okay, then hit that one. <laughs> exactly. Advance it forward. Yeah. <laughs> Get closer. <laughs> Always a good rule of thumb. All right, Chris. And of course, uh, you're available out there for, uh, for kids and, uh, not only, uh, these observations, but also for lessons from time to time. And does that come along after the kids have been playing a little bit? You say, let them swing their swing and, and then maybe a lesson later down the road, Chris? Well, I don't think it's ever too early for instruction as long as the kids are six, seven, eight years old. Yep. But, but you want them to have a little bit of interest and desire and then get them going with some lessons. Sure. Yeah. And, and the sooner you can get them forming, you know, good habits and correct form, the more success they're going to have in the game. Yeah, a little fun, right? It's supposed to be fun out there. Exactly. It's a game. <laughs> All right, Chris, appreciate it. Another good week in the books. We want to thank our guests, uh, Peter Sanders from Shot by Shot, Mark Johnson, Director of Golf at Breezy Point. Definitely put uh, the Breezy Point courses on your calendar for this summer and enjoy it uh, out at uh, Breezy Point. They've got three great golf courses. Chris, thank you. Thank you, Mac. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.